Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. If you are a Giants fan, well, you probably already follow Art Stapleton on social media, on Twitter, on whatever other channels, his podcasts, all that stuff. You should be if you don't. But uh, Art Stapleton from The Record joins me now. Hey, Art, how are you? Hey, Lori. How you doing? I'm doing fine. My first question, Art, is um, so I do follow you on social media, and it seems to me that somehow this year you've you've started a second career as a ticket broker (laughs) for Giants training camp. How did this come about, and what's going on? Oh, oh, Lori. You know, it, it, we're we're starting up a newsletter, a Giants newsletter, and with everything that's going on in social media nowadays, especially you mentioned Twitter or X or whatever we're calling and talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, you create a community just like you do on the program, and you want to stay in touch with people and engage with the community. So the fear was, how do we stay in touch with the community that we've built for years now? If somehow one day we wake up and Twitter no longer exists, <laughs> right. so we came up with the idea of a newsletter. Now a lot of organizations do that. So uh, NorthJersey.com backslash All In if you want to check it out. Uh, it launches on Friday. So anyway, long story short, I was trying to come up with ideas, ways to promote the newsletter and get people to subscribe, which is free. Uh, all you need is an email address. So I I thought about it and. I know every year fans rush to claim all the free training camp tickets from the Giants, and then they decide afterwards which ones they could use and which ones they can't. So my thought was, well, if you have extra tickets and you can't use them, it's not like regular season tickets where you could send them back to the Giants or send them to a portal. And it was, well, if you want to send them to me, I will then put them out as giveaways and the one caveat would be you have to subscribe to our free newsletter. So I figured maybe I can get people to subscribe. Well, that was <laughs> an innocent way, at least I looked at it, of engaging, and uh, uh-huh. it turned out to be uh, pretty crazy. I mean, I think I think the total number was about 150 uh, winners or giveaways mm-hmm. uh, of all the tickets at training camp. And it was actually really cool, Lori. I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, there were a lot of fans, hey, you know, calling out at the practices mm-hmm. when we're walking on the sidelines, hey, um, thanks, you gave, you got me the tickets today. And I was trying to say, you know, it wasn't just me. I was the facilitator. It was the fan. You know, it was yeah. it was Joe, Joe from Saddlebrook who yeah. decided to send his tickets in, and then you got it, you know. And, and just when I thought that 
it, it was overwhelming and I was going to stop at the beginning of the week. I ended up getting a photo uh, on a direct message from a father who brought his six-year-old son. With a, it was a picture of the two of them in front of the Giants sign saying, you know, that, thanks to you, I was able to enjoy my first Giants experience with my kids. So, um, yeah, that's how I became a ticket broker. The summer I became a ticket broker. Uh, it's like a Friends episode, right? But, uh, yeah, that's how it went down. Um, trying well, to trying yeah. to do a little love for our uh, for our coverage over there at NorthJersey.com. Yeah, what I've enjoyed with it is and seeing some of those photos as you, as you post them, and and I'll take a moment of of sincerity, and then we'll talk about the team. Is that every once in a while you see those, and it does remind all of us, reminds me, like why we fell in love with the sport, you know, and all of this in the first place. And it is so much, you know, I, I often think about who am I really talking to right now? Who am I interacting with and who am I keeping company that might be working right now and is listening to the two of us and all of that. And so it's nice to see that. Um, all right. Getting to the team, the Giants, and uh, a big week as they as they head to some joint practices with the Lions. And um, first, a big picture question one of my listeners wanted uh, to ask of you, which is, how is this year's training camp so far different than last year? Last year, you had a rookie head coach, and... Now you have a the reigning coach of the year, and but right. but yet um, you know contracts are different. All these other things. How is this year's training camp different than last? Well, you, you know, I think the the best way to put it is that uh, I don't know necessarily if Brian Dable has changed his approach, but I think we have more insight into how Brian Dable likes to run training camp and what his practices are all about. Um, you know, we you hear the you know the the news last year, and you watch and you try to figure out why the offense is struggling so much, and then you find out afterwards that they were really putting Daniel Jones in positions that were going to challenge him and challenge the offense to see how he'd react. They wanted to get to know Daniel Jones. So a year later, when the camp opens and Deontay Banks, the rookie corner, is getting picked on every <laughs> single play. And, you know, at first he's struggling a little bit, and then he starts turning a corner, and he's coming around now and holding his own. You know, I look at that, and I say, well, that's what Dable wants to do. Like, he he wants to challenge his guys in training camp in different ways. He's going to manipulate situations uh, to be able to get out of it what he feels like this team needs. So the big picture aspect, that would be number one, is that I don't know necessarily if anything's changed from that perspective, but I think we have a better insight, better knowledge, perspective as to how Dable wants to run his camp. The only other thing I would say is different this year is the plans that he has in place for guys who had injuries last year, from the severe season-ending injuries like Sterling Shepard to nagging injuries like Leonard Williams and Aziz Ojolari, uh, all of whom are important pieces to the puzzle here. Some you can argue more than others, but they've put in a plan, and the players have been involved in that plan. It's been sports science. It's been the the training staff, the medical staff, and they've decided, you know, ahead of time. It's not just, you know, you wake up one day and, and the guy's not feeling right. Okay, we're going to pull you out. I mean, that, like with Shepard, um, you know, they have a plan. They tell him ahead of time, look, you're going to be off this day. So we leave what you got on Saturday night in the practice because when we get back on the field on Monday, you might be off. Um, you know, Leonard Williams and Aziz Ojolari, 
It's very interesting. They've when they've given them one day off, they've actually given them two days off. So Leonard Williams had two days off in a row. So right away, the reality, you know, everybody's like, well, what's wrong with Leonard Williams? It can't just be that they're giving him rest. But a neck injury from last year basically nagged him all year and kept him from really being an impact player for the most part. You know, Aziz Ojolari had soft tissue injuries. I mean, he had calf injuries last year that were, you know, from the start of camp all the way through. So, They've looked to be able to, in Aziz's case, they gave him two days off, plus today is a player's day off. So he had three days off in a row. What are you learning about Aziz Ojolari in training camp? You're not going to learn anything about him in training camp. You want him to be ready to go week one. And I think uh, they have made a concerted effort not only to do that from a coaching staff point of view, because we've seen in the past the coaches will say, you know, you're off, you're on, we're going to pull back on your reps. But they actually got together uh, as a group and included the player and kind of mapped out the way they wanted to work the summer. So I think that's very interesting. One player that certainly ties together maybe everything we've just talked about, um, It's a he makes a difference to this team this year. He probably was burning uh, their rookie corner, Deontay Banks. <laughs> and he's been known to have injuries and therefore um, probably going to be wrapped in bubble wrap. Um, and that is Darren Waller. And I've seen some of the things, you know, that you've written and, and, some, and you know, seen uh, the, the, the footage and the plays about him. But, um, well, let's just start with, can we assume that he is not going to go anywhere near a preseason game before the season starts? I I would assume that. Uh, I I think you know with, with Waller, obviously you don't want to risk you know serious injury. You know, and and the Giants suffered their share last year of serious injuries in in the preseason, and they also you know got lucky on some. You know, we who could remember Kayvon Thibodeau? You know, with his knee injury, when he was walking off to the sideline, it was almost like, oh, there, there you go, there's, there's the Giants' luck. You know, now their top pick is out for the season, kind of thing. Um, uh, I think they're going to pull back on Waller in practice. I think they've been very calculated about how they used him over the last week or so. The first week, it was full bore. I mean, he was everywhere. Daniel Jones was targeting him everywhere. Nobody could cover him. Um, I, I think they'll probably be smart in practice as we go along here uh, and maybe not necessarily give Waller days. I thought going in that they would give Waller's day, Waller days off, that we would know that he's on the sideline and he's not participating. But they almost, like one day they kept him in individual drills, position drills, but then when it was time for team drills, they kept him out. You know, So I think we're going to see more of that, um, You know, lighten his load that way. And I'd be very surprised, Lori, if, if like you said, if he's in any preseason games, um, I, there are certain guys on this team that they cannot risk anything in, in the preseason. I mean, yes, you walk that fine line between not playing them and being rusty versus playing them and being ready. And I just think, um, I, I just don't think it's worth the risk to have him out there on the field. I think, you know, he'll get some against the Lions this week in practice, but I, I just don't see how you're putting him out there on the field. In a, in a game until it matters on uh, the 10th. Yeah, if if Dable's asking me, which he's not, I would probably have him on the exercise bike. 
and that would be about it if it were me. But um, you posted a a fun quote uh, tonight uh, from Wink Martindale on Darren Waller. Can you share that with the audience and also talk about just like what you're hearing from Wink Martindale and some of the other Giants coaches about Darren Waller when you actually get to see him up close? Yeah, the the crazy thing about Waller is, I mean, and I'll put it this way, I mean, Saquon Barkley is a different animal because obviously he's a running back, so when he came in as a rookie, um, he, even in training camp, I mean, he, he, he ended up hurting his hamstring, and that was the last time that the Giants went to Detroit. It was actually Pat Shermer's first year. They went to have joint practices in Detroit. So no disrespect to Saquon, but, I mean, Waller, you'd have to go back to Odell, you know, Odell, mm-hmm. his second year, not his rookie year, because he wasn't even in training camp because of the hamstring. Uh, but what Odell was doing in practice his second year, and then obviously in games, uh, was unbelievable. Waller has been that. I mean, just the the wingspan, the different routes that are using. I mean, you, because of his size, like Daniel Jones said back in the spring, like you hear guys, you see guys listed on rosters as like six six. And, you know, you're just like, eh, okay. But, I mean, he is legit 6'6", like stands out. Just I don't know if it's the 12 that makes him stand out a little more. Um, he also has the, the guardian cap on top of the helmet, you know, that they're all wearing. So that almost makes him look even bigger. Uh, and Wink's quote, the one that you mentioned, uh, was it's like he's eating peanuts off the top of people's heads, picking those footballs up. So it's... He really, I mean, there was one play in the first week of training camp where he he literally went up and plucked the ball off of somebody's helmet. <laughs> a defender was right in front of him, and Sterling Shepard had said in the in the, one of his press conferences that you know he laughed and he told Daniel Jones like you know you, you better not be throwing the ball all the way up <laughs> up there for me because you know you're going to end up with an interception or an incomplete. He's like that that guy's just a beast. So, uh, yeah, the Giants are, have fallen in love with Darren Waller um, really from, from jump, but what he's done in training camp has been great. And obviously it's it's a matter of coming up with that plan to keep him healthy and to yeah. make sure that he can stay on the field. I mean, you can't avoid serious injuries. I mean, there's only so much prevention you can do, Lori, but uh, I think it's the soft tissue injury. It's not pushing the guy. It's trusting your your sports science, trusting the fact that if if these, you know, GPS you know, things that they're wearing tell you, you know, the guy's body is, has been overloaded a little bit. You pull back. Don't don't think you're being a hero in the summer uh, because this is not where you're going to earn your money. You're going to earn your money starting in week one against the Cowboys. Talking to Art Stapleton about the Giants. And so you mentioned Daniel Jones. What's different about Daniel Jones in training camp this year? What do you see that looks different versus – last year or the year before um, over the last few years? Uh, you know, it's it's cliche to say confidence, but it is confidence. Uh, I have a column coming out in the morning posted on NorthJersey.com, and I asked Daniel Jones the question, Lori. I asked him the question. You know what that question was? What question that you asked <laughs> Daniel Jones? It's, it's a question that framed the last Super Bowl championship for the Giants. Well, in terms of, you mean about confidence? About him, yeah, about Daniel Jones. What would be the question? I mean, I'll I I'll give it to you. All I'll right, give it, give it to, it to me. Well, obviously, being Eli's successor, what was the question for Eli? It was, 
are you an elite quarterback? Is oh, it, are you Daniel elite? Jo- yeah. <laughs> is Eli Manning an elite quarterback? Well, I asked Daniel Jones that on Friday, and surprisingly, I got an answer. And his answer is probably going to surprise you. I'll give you a little teaser that he was confident. And, you know, it wasn't cocky. It wasn't, yeah, I'm elite. But um, he, he's in a good place right now. I think he, he feels like... Um, you know, there's still something to prove. I think, you know, a- anywhere you turn, he's he's getting pulled into arguments about, you know, the running backs and who should be paid. And it's like, well, you know, Daniel Jones doesn't deserve to get paid. I mean, the, guy, the yeah. guy is dragged every time something comes up in the league. Um, I think he's confident. I think the big thing with Daniel has always been the processing part of it. And, you know, is he seeing things fast enough to make quick decisions? And I think... You can't overlook year two, the coaching that he's received from Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and Shea Tierney, who is the quarterback's coach. I think being in this offense, it hasn't changed. Um, you know, I think, you know, you look at, you know, he went through, he went through Pat Shermer and he went through Joe Judge and mm-hmm. everything with Jason Garrett and then Freddie Kitchens and Judge being involved on offense and all that stuff. So I think the biggest difference between Daniel Jones that I see now is his processing in practice. You know, he's not thinking about which guy I'm going to throw to if that guy's covered. I mean, he's pretty, there was a play where uh, the other day they were in low red zone and Daniel Jones, his first option was Waller, and he was double-covered. And Jones just quickly looked to the back of the end zone. He knew he had Darius Slayton coming across on a crosser and just whipped it in there, got it for a touchdown. And it was almost like, you know, that that is the Daniel Jones that they wanted to pay $40 million a year, or at least they were willing to pay $40 million a year. We'll see if it happens week one against the Cowboys, but – um, for right now, that's what I see. I see a confident quarterback, but a confident quarterback that still has something to prove. You mentioned before Deontay Banks. Obviously, that's the first-round draft pick. But how about some of the other rookies? Um, you know, it, it certainly seems like some of them are are starting to come on. Three in particular are, are you know, whether it's uh, Jalen Hyatt, uh, Trey Hawkins, and um, John Michael Schmitz. But... How are the rookies doing? You know, John Michael Schmitz is going to be very interesting to see what they do because, like I told you, I, I don't think, you know, guys like Andrew Thomas, I, I don't think the veteran offensive linemen are going to end up playing. But uh, I, I want to see if Brian Dable is going to play John Michael Schmitz on Friday night against the Lions. I mean, uh, uh, right now it's between Schmitz and Ben Bredesen to start at center. I think. Schmitz has taken a little bit of time to get used to the play strength. I mean, uh, that's necessary to win. Also, to win battles one-on-one with Dexter Lawrence, breathing down your neck. (laughs) Uh, And his first one-on-one rep when the pads went on, Dexter Lawrence knocked him back about 15 yards into the end zone. Is that Uh, possible that that's one of those things that you're talking about where Dable is sort of saying, like, hey, rookie, uh, that's a Dable message? Not even a question. Uh, you know, Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, said back in the spring when we asked him about Schmitz, he said, well, we'll see when the pads go on. And the first time he's got to, he's got to stare out at, at Dexter Lawrence. Uh, and, you know, I think that'll only help him. I mean, look, uh, you know, we talk about matchups in practice and that old, you know, I know some people hate that iron sharpens iron kind of thing, but uh, Schmitz, he's going to face Dexter Lawrence in practice. He's already done that for a week right now. If he's going to go up against it, not many teams in this league have a Dexter Lawrence that are going to be lining up square on the nose 
at the center position. So I think um, I think that's going to be a good thing. Hyatt has been a very interesting one, Laurie, because back in the spring you didn't see him much in in team seven on seven with the starters, and you kind of wondered and you started hearing whispers around the league the idea of oh, see, everybody knew he was limited in his route. He's a bust. Tree. Yeah. Right. Right. And maybe <laughs> he's not as good as we think he's going to be. And uh, what the leaps that he's made from day to day, Jalen Hyatt. I mean, he catches a deep ball every day from Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor in practice. He's caught multiple deep balls from Daniel Jones. Uh, I've been most impressed not with his vertical spree, speed, which is obviously great, uh, but his short area quickness. They did a box drill, and I've said this a couple times. They did a box drill with the wide receivers, which basically they run in a square around, you know, around little, you know, little cones. I, I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver go through that drill as fast with, with just fast feet and a change of direction as Hyatt did. So I like him. You don't see any drop passes from him deep. He's got great hands, great extension at the end of routes. Uh, so I, I don't think necessarily, you know, Giants fans, the first thing they want to know is, oh, well, you know, who are going to be the starting receivers on opening night against the Cowboys? I don't think that's going to matter. I think Hyatt will get, you know, 10 to 15 plays to start off the season. But, you know, in those 10 to 15 plays, he's going to be involved with some sort of route combination with, you know, Waller, Paris Campbell, you know, maybe Saquon out of the backfield. So defenses are going to have to pick their poison. And if you let if you let Hyatt get off the line of scrimmage, uh, it's good night. And, and I really believe that. He, I have not seen a deep threat um, like Hyatt with the Giants. You know, it really, Odell wasn't even that deep threat. Odell was, you know, you, you got Odell the ball on a slant and he'd take it 60. But Hyatt is one of those things, one of those, you know, if he gets past that safety, forget it. It's over. Um, you mentioned Trey Hawkins. Uh, he's, he's an interesting one because it's been a long time since the Giants hit on a cornerback, a rookie corner, let alone a rookie, rookie corner they took in the sixth round. Uh, and Hawkins looks the part. I think the Giants, you speak, it speaks volumes about their development and their scouting under Joe Shane and the way they've built it up that they were able to be on this guy uh, from Old Dominion and you look at him and you see you see the size he's got the height weight and speed and he comes at the camp and all of a sudden he's competing and they're giving him opportunities and he's making the most of the opportunities I mean look he's getting beat they're, they're, he's not perfect he's given up some plays but he's also made some plays, and if the Giants could somehow get a third corner uh, to complement uh, Deontay Banks and then obviously a Dory Jackson and kind of give Wink some flexibility as to what they're going to do, and you know maybe you put a Dory in the slot against C.D. Lamb on opening night, um, I think the Giants you know like that option to have some some of these corners who can have that size on the outside and really compete with guys. That's what Wink wants in his defense, and, and I think so. So you nailed those three rookies and, um, you know, the way they've kind of developed here. You mentioned, you know, obviously for wide receiver, it's size on the outside, and that's part of then with a, with a guy like a Trey Hawkins who has that kind of size and the value there. But getting back to the wide receivers for a second, you were talking about Jalen Hyatt and beating teams deep. Um, I've seen a lot of analysts, experts, people ranking. And when they look at the Giants wide receivers and 
they criticize that there are so many who would of, of their wide receivers who you might say you know th- there's a lot of slot receivers here a lot of guys whose best position would be slot receiver right yet there is Waller and you know it is fair that there are a lot of sw- slot wide receivers but it strikes me that the Giants, part of what they were trying to do this year, they looked at the Eagles, they looked at other teams, and they looked at their lack of team speed, was find a way to get faster. What would you say to the teams that are looking at the Giants' wide receiver room and also, I mean, you have a Darren Waller there, all of that, and saying this is mostly just a bunch of um, slot receivers, they're still very limited at the receiver position? Well, I think on paper that they are limited because if you're not looking for, you know, you're, no one's standing out and saying, you know, you have a wide receiver one who's had a thousand yard season mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but I would, I would look at what you know Kansas City has done, and mm-hmm. again, it, it's, you know, you're not talking about the exact same model. You're not going to be the Chiefs. Daniel Jones is not Patrick Mahomes. Right. You know, um, no one is, and yeah. I don't right, and and I don't know if Darren Waller can have the same kind of impact on a on a consistent basis as Travis Kelsey can, but if you see what Kansas City does when they lost Tyreek Hill, they just basically said, okay, we're going to bring in types, right? Mm-hmm. They, they like types of receivers that they have, and you know the Juju Smith Schuster's of the world that came in last year, and when Juju hit the market this year, nobody was going crazy over him being a wide receiver one, but Kansas City wanted to use guys in different ways, and I think that's kind of what they're going to do. If you have a coaching staff that is willing to try to play to guys' strengths, um, I think there's a lot you can do here. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a big part of it uh, because you can take the speed and the presence of Darren Waller and just clear out the middle of the field. And I ultimately think that's what the Giants' game plans are going to be about, especially early on in the season. They want to see how teams are going to play Waller. And then they can decide, okay, we're going to run a lot of underneath stuff. We can have our speed guys. You know, We can have Paris Campbell underneath. If Sterling Shepard is healthy, we can have him underneath. Um, you know, by the time Wondell Robinson gets back, likely in October, you know, he can be another guy underneath. Uh, and then you've got guys who, you know, how much more can Isaiah Hodgins do? I mean, he turned <laughs> Pat, he turned Patrick Peterson inside out in Minnesota last year, went over 100 yards in a playoff game. Um, you know, maybe put some respect on his name. I mean, Darius Slayton, if he catches that ball in Minnesota last year, um, how, what are people talking about Darius and saying, you know what, he's been their leading receiver three of the last four years. I mean, he's got great rapport with Daniel Jones. So, um, yeah, you're not going to talk about their their receivers, but I think this coaching staff, and you started in the very beginning of the interview, the coach of the year in Dable. Day, one of Dable's biggest strengths is that he created a coaching staff that works together, that can be creative, can be you know, so I don't want to say genius, but ingenious mm-hmm. every week to mm-hmm. be able to use guys to their strengths. And I think, you know, that's what I would say about the, you know, about this wide receiver core. I mean, look, they, they made things happen last year in big games when they didn't necessarily have those big names. I mean, there, there wasn't a Darren Waller last year. They basically mixed and matched with a, a fourth-round draft pick at tight end and Daniel Bellinger, who you know now can be an effective part of this offense, but he's not the one guy. He's the guy who can kind of take whatever 
coverage goes to Waller, he can make plays. So I think they're going to be better than what what people think just based on paper. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how this offense evolves because I think they showed last year that they're always willing to kind of mix and match. And, you know, no one would have expected Isaiah Hodgins, uh, you know, a waiver claim uh, on the bye week in, uh, in, you know, end of October, beginning of November to be leading their team in receiving in the playoffs. But that's kind of what happened. So you mentioned John Michael Schmitz, but Schmitz aside, what's what's one thing, one player, one thing that you're going to be looking for this week uh, with the Lions, whether that's in joint practice or in the game? You know, I think um, Evan Neal being in concussion protocol kind mm-hmm. of kind of throws that up, uh, you know, in, into a little little limbo because Evan Neal would have been a player. You know, I ended up writing when the pads went on for the first day. Now it's Evan Neal's time. I mean, all the eyes were going to go to Evan Neal. Everyone's going to be watching Evan Neal to see how he's doing from year one to year two. Um, so if he clears protocol and he's involved this week, I think that's going to be something that, that is going to get a lot of attention. Um, you know, we saw the other night Matt Parrott, who, who filled in for Evan Neal at right tackle with the first team. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau really gave him a hard time in practice. So if if Neal is not out there against the Lions, even in joint practices, um, you know, they, I think that you know you'll see a lot this week about how you know the Lions are putting a lot of pressure on Jones and is not able to get things done because of right tackle. That's number one, and and probably number two is is just the idea that you know the Lions threw the ball over the place last year on the Giants mm-hmm. when they came to MetLife. Yep. I mean, that was kind of the eye-opening. That was really the one game, I think, that, that the Giants were never in last year. You know, they, they really they, – it was a no contest, other than the Eagles. You know, they, that mm-hmm. was a no contest. So um, uh, the Lions, the way they had their passing game humming last year, I want to see the, these corners stand up. You know, make some plays. Make some plays on the back end. Let's see the safeties make some plays. Xavier McKinney, it's a big year for him. I mean, I think everybody internally thinks Xavier McKinney can be one of the top safeties in the league. Um, I think he's got to kind of start doing that. He's got to get. He's got to produce this year. I mean, he really does. He needs to be a big player on the back end for them uh, in order for this defense to kind of make sense from the front. We know who's getting the attention up front, and Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. We know in the middle, Bobby Okereke is going to get attention. Let's see how the back end stands up against Detroit, a team that likes to throw the ball all over the place uh, in joint practices. Well, you can't spell Daniel without Eli, and you can't spell Eli. Uh, you can't spell elite without uh, Eli. So it sounds like tomorrow in uh, the record, um, you can find a story about Daniel Jones and is he elite? And uh, what's the name of the newsletter again, Art? The newsletter you can find at NorthJersey.com slash all in. It's all in uh, with New York Giants is the newsletter. All right. Um, Good stuff there from Art Stapleton from the record covering the Giants. Art, appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you soon. Awesome, Laurie. Anytime. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.